1: I'm glad you will join us again for another episode of Let the Bible Speak. We're continuing our studies in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And it's a portion of Scripture that is intriguing and is certainly difficult in its interpretation. It deals with the subject of widows, older widows and younger widows. And sometimes it can be challenging to really understand what is the relevance of this portion of Scripture to our lives today. What is interesting is that as we study together, you will see that underneath this portion lies the very principles of God's will for this world. At a time when family life is undervalued, when children are often looked upon as an inconvenience, so the Bible presents a picture of family that is one of dignity and blessing. And so it is my desire today that we benefit from considering these verses together I want to read today from chapter 5, reading from the verse number 9. The Word of God says, Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the the wife of one man. Well, reported of off for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully for some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth hath widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Amen, so says the word of God. Let's bow together, please, in a brief word of prayer. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it comes to us as the living word, And yet we pray, O Lord, for help today that we'd understand these verses and know how to apply them in our own situation. So give us grace, we pray, enable us to benefit from the Word, in Jesus' name. Amen. We assert uh, unashamedly that the Bible is always relevant. There is always a word in season for our souls when we read the Word of God. And yet there are portions like that which I've read today, That are challenging to understand their application to our lives and conduct in the modern world. There are times when we have to bring the relevance from the historical setting of the original. Uh, We've got to try to understand what is in view as Paul writes these words, and therefore, by understanding that, we can bring application to our own particular context. Paul is writing as a real man, he was a real apostle to a real man called Timothy, writing about real people in the local church. Hence, at times, we may read a portion like this and ask, what does it say to me? It's about widows. It's about those, whether they should marry or not marry. It's about the church helping those widows. It seems to have such a very narrow sphere of application. Well, today I'd like you to, if at all possible, have your Bible out and work through the verses with me. And of course, I understand that many of you will uh, perhaps listen to this program in, in a car or uh, doing some other uh, other thing in your life, and I understand that. But if you can, uh, get your Bible out, and we'll try to make sense of these verses together. And we should remember again the context. Paul is telling Timothy to make sure that the church performs its responsibilities as a family unit. And the church exists as a family. He is to correct He is to challenge people according to their relationships with him as their pastor. Elders, he must treat as fathers, younger men as brethren, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. The church is to be marked by this correction of of sinful practices, but that correction keeps in mind the relational standing between the various individuals. The church also then is to be marked by care. Well, the church is to honour widows that are widows indeed. And Paul has set out some criteria to determine those who are widows indeed or widows truly. And having raised the issue of these widows, he then moves further in giving directions regarding this particular group within the church. In verse numbers 9 and 10, there is, A reference made to these widows, let not a widow be taken into the number. What is this number? Well, the word that is used there is the word that we get our word catalogue from. It refers to a list, it refers to a role, and it is likely that this list was made up of widows, those women without a husband, who were helped by the church and who were also helped to the church. That they were helped by the church is clear that in verse 16, Paul is still dealing with the matter of this relief. He refers to men or women who believe and they have widows. That is their responsibility themselves to relieve them and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So the widows, indeed in verse number 3, are referred to again in verse number 16, and they are those who are receiving help from the church. We understand that in the historical setting, to be a widow without a husband was to lead to great financial hardship, and therefore the church took on the obligation of trying to help them in their particular economic stress. But they were also enrolled in service for the church, that is at least likely in that these spiritual qualifications are listed make sense as those who are qualified to help in the work of the church. They had been tested, they had been shown to be devoted, but those who would serve were enrolled according to these qualifications. Now please understand these qualifications are not under leadership office, but they are qualifications for the service of the Church of Christ. Paul tells Timothy that they must not be under 60 years of age. We have that there in verse number 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. It is likely that those who were older would not remarry and hence they would not leave the role. And the sense is that those who were widows and older widows, well, they were going to live the rest of their lives in singleness. And in so doing, they would be able to help and please the Lord in their work. You see similar references in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. So their age was to be uh, over 60 years old. And also they were to be marked by certain suitability. They were to be marked by a life of faithfulness. They were to be the wife of one man. We saw a similar reference, of course, back in the qualifications of the elders. That does not necessarily mean that they only had one marriage. as Remarriage was encouraged and these younger widows remarried but now these were older widows who would not remarry at this stage but the idea here is that they were marked by a life of marital faithfulness. That in the marriage that they did have, that marriage was marked by faithfulness. These were women who had a legacy of integrity. They also had a legacy of selflessness. They were known for their good deeds. And there, those good deeds are listed in verse number 10. They are diligent in the work in the home. They are diligent in hospitality. They're marked by humility. And they're also shown to be involved in various helps. You think the home there, those who have brought up children. That's referred to as a a good deed. Well reported off for good works if she had brought up children. How this contrasts with so many in the world today who believe that a woman does not fulfill her potential unless she works out of the home. And often those who just stay at home are looked down upon. To be a homemaker is, in the eyes of the world today, to be a demeaning occupation. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, tells us that to be a, a woman at home, bringing up children, is to be involved in good work in the eyes of God. They are also to be those who are hospitable. They have lodged strangers. Not just friends, but also those who are strangers. They are to be marked by humble service. They are willing to wash the saints' feet. More than likely, that would have been a literal act of service. As people would have entered the house church to worship, they were involved in helps. They relieved the afflicted, and they diligently followed every good work. These were ladies who were marked by this integrity and also by this selflessness. When you get down to verse number 11, you enter a more difficult section as to why the younger widows were refused. It says there in verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. I think Paul is here painting the potential pitfalls of having younger widows enrolled in this service role. Just as the elders were not to be a novice, so there were challenges if younger widows were enrolled in uh, in, in this service occupation of being a widow indeed. It would seem to be the case from verse number 15 that there were already widows in this category who had suffered from the pitfalls of being enrolled. And it says in verse 15, For some are already turned aside after Satan. So what happens? Well, Paul says they will want to remarry. Having began to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Not having the gift of celibacy, consider 1 Corinthians 7, they will want to remarry and thus they will not be able to fulfill their role. Now it is clear from 1 Corinthians 7 that remarriage is not wrong. In fact, in verse number 14, Paul says, I will or I desire therefore that the young woman marry, that they would fulfill their God-given role and not be a burden to the church. Thus, they will have put off their own desires before the role they are committed to perform for Christ. So if the widow is to be enrolled in this service, they're going to set aside their natural desires for family and give themselves wholeheartedly for the cause of Christ. Verse 12 is very difficult. It says they're having damnation because they've cast off their first faith. The word damnation speaks of judgment and censure. The reference to first faith may mean a faith that has begun or first in terms of priority. Thus some say it is their first commitment. Thus it may be that in the course of this pitfall there are those that will go to such a degree that they will actually turn their back on Christ. If they are given a rule that they ought not to have, they will even make shipwreck of their faith following Satan himself. Verse 15, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Alternatively, it may mean that they will renounce the pledge they made to be single and to serve Christ. Hence, they will come under censure and correction. Now, that itself fits well with what follows. They will, in turn, misuse their position Remember, they are helped by the church materially and a help to the church. But if they turn aside and desire marriage, then the danger is twofold. They will waste their time. Verse 13, they withal will learn to be idle and they will misuse their time, wandering from house to house, tattlers also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. So the danger seems to be that if the younger widows are enrolled in this service and they're financially helped by the church of Christ, the danger is that they will waste their time, they'll misuse their time, and the potential is they, make sh- they may make shipwreck off their faith. Therefore, Paul gives this admonition in verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And so we have this this challenging section to understand. Paul has given qualifications for those that are widows indeed, and he's also given reasons why younger women should not occupy this particular task. Now, perhaps you heard me speak, you will think of some of the parallels there may be. With the Roman Catholic Church and the practice of those who enrol as nuns and service of the church as they see it. Here Paul's words do indeed give much direction regarding the dangers of such a practice. That it is the will of God ordinarily for young women to marry, to bear children, to guide the house. That is the will of God. And it is of course the case that those older widows, they could be of much help in the church of Christ. And as they helped... So the church in turn would help them financially and materially. And so we have the conclusion of the section, If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows. Indeed. Now I have tried to go through those verses very quickly, and Mm -hmm. I, I understand there are many unanswered questions in terms of the understanding of these verses, but having gone through the materials so quickly I want to just summarise some of the lessons that we learn from from these verses that are of a broader application than simply those words to widows. I want to think about what God says regarding the family I want to think about what the Christian's responsibility is to others and I want to finish by considering Satan's action against the believer so first of all then What do these verses teach us regarding God and the family? Well, we see from these verses that the Bible is pro-marriage. Verse 14, I will therefore that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house. As a means of preventing sin and promoting the good of society, marriage is God's institution. And it must be safeguarded. One of the reasons why conservative evangelicals are so opposed to the same-sex marriage agenda is that it undermines the very will of God for society. It is the will of God for marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. And the Bible emphasizes the benefits of marriage. Those who are married are committed to the home. Those who are married are those who can indeed be involved in church life, but the society is stabilised as the family is healthy and valued. Society can greatly undermine the family in terms of legislation, but also by promoting materialism that causes men and women to neglect the family for the promotion of material gain. Even marriage itself can be delayed for sinful reasons, We live in a materialistic society that there is a tremendous lust for the biggest and the best, and it has hindered the promotion of godly marriage. Young people are putting off marriage until later and later life, and therefore they are having fewer children, if any, at all. We should not be conformed to this world. We should understand the Bible promotes and advocates marriage and the raising of children in the things of God. The church itself can sometimes undermine family life by encouraging a busyness that is to the hindrance of the home. We see in this portion uh, that the matter of home life is of first importance, that those who can fully serve the church are those who do not have all of the responsibilities of home life. We see, we understand that the elders and the deacons were those who had children and had a family life. Well, Here we see there is a a role for those who do not have the obligations of home, but they are able to serve the church in a more unique fashion. Oh, undoubtedly Christ comes first. But Christ having first place in our homes means that at times we will put our homes before activity. So we see the Bible is very strongly pro-marriage. And in a similar fashion, the Bible is pro-natal. The Bible is pro-children. Verse 14 again says that these younger women are to bear children. Children are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. And Christian couples have the responsibility to have children and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Of course, while some couples may not be able to have children, childlessness should be the exception and not the rule in the Church of Christ, so says the commentator Barclay. The Bible is pro-family. The Bible is pro-natal. But importantly, the Bible is also pro-singleness for those who are so called. It is clear here that there were those in view in in Paul's writings here who, who were not married and were not encouraged to get married. And so there were those who were single in the church. And it was their obligation to use their time wisely for the Lord. It clearly is not wrong to desire marriage. But whilst that desire may be delayed. There is time to be involved in the Lord's work. And so we're seeing in this portion some very important principles regarding God and the family. We also see something Regarding the Christian and others. One of the practical outworkings of Paul's teaching is that if it is obeyed, people serve each other in the church. Older widows will serve others, they will meet material needs, they will visit, they will encourage. The younger women will serve their family and their children. You have a church life that does not promote idleness through the giving out of handouts and social aid but church life whereby people are encouraged to work and serve each other in the home and in the community. It is the will of God that we would live our lives determined to be of use in the service of others. It is the will of God that we live in order to promote the well-being of our neighbour. And we see that here in these verses, that the widows were appointed to be of usefulness in serving the church of Christ. Now I understand that those of you listening here may not find yourself in that narrow category of a widow, but it reminds us all that we have a responsibility to love our neighbour. And that love must not be in word only, but it must be in deed and in truth. And those who claim the name of Christ are we those who are loving our neighbour as ourselves. It is the work of God in our hearts that enables us to live our lives in such a useful fashion for the good of the church and indeed for the good of the wider community. And so we've seen something here of the will of God for the family. We've seen something of the practice of Christians and the service of others. And finally before we close, I note the very solemn subject of Satan's action towards the believer. There are a couple of references to the adversary Verse 14, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Verse 15, it is the will of Satan to keep us from Christ. It is his desire to turn us away from the Lord. He will promote idleness. He promotes idleness in society. When the people in a society are marked by laziness and idleness it is the mark of satan's work those who are saved by god's grace are those who are industrious they are hard working they are diligent god has made us to serve him and others in this world and the devil's desire is that we would reject god's purpose in our lives that we would do our own thing that marked by, by laziness and a neglect of our responsibilities. We should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. We often think the devil's desire is to promote unbelief and that is true. But the devil will also use other means to turn us away from truth and away from Christ. It is the will of God that we love God first and love our neighbour as ourselves. That is what it is to live for Christ in this world. We're saved from our sins in order to live that life of righteousness and Satan would seek to thwart us from living for God, for his glory and for the good of others in his church. I encourage you to heed the word of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do not be ignorant of his devices. Do not uh, presume the devil's Anger is only brought to bear against the Word of God. It is also brought to bear against the child of God, the child of God who is desiring to do the will of God in the world. And so resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do what the Lord requires of you. You see, let me close by reminding you that Paul is here writing to Timothy in the context of the church. Christ loved the church. Gave himself for the church his blood was shed that people would be saved from their sins and brought together into a church community and in that church community it is the purpose of christ that his children would be healthy and well and that they would nurture and encourage each other in the things of god and so it is and i desire today that the word of god would speak to all of our souls we we live in a broken society. The home is undervalued. Children are undervalued. You think of the promotion of the same sex same sex marriage agenda. You think of the promotion of the abortion and the undervaluing of the of children in the home. Now well, here we have in First Timothy five some principles from the very Word of God that stand against the will of the world and stands for the Word of God, and so. The choice is yours again today. Will you follow the world or will you follow the word of God? Well, I pray that if you're following the word of God, that God will help you and give you grace to stand for him and stand for righteousness in the midst of a fallen and iniquitous world. May God bless his word to your hearts today. And let's close in a word of prayer. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and these verses that are uh, perhaps not familiar to us. We pray that they would be useful in our hearts, in our lives. We pray you'd help us to understand how to apply them. I pray for some, O oh Lord, even, and they would admit that they are, they are following the world and they're not following the word of God. I pray you'd open their hearts, O oh Lord, that they would receive the truth. May they see their sin and may they see the only hope for their sin is found in Christ and in Christ alone. He who is the only saviour of sinners. And so bless us now. Bless this word to each and every heart. We would pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.